0: Thank you all. Like the old man said, he said, if you didn't like that and if that didn't do something for you, your wood was wet, sure enough, wasn't it? Amen. What a joy. Praise the Lord. Both of the songs y'all have done today. Y'all just went well beyond. But stay there. Just keep on going. (laughs) Amen. It's good to see you today. May the Lord bless you richly uh, for coming and being a part of worship today. I hope that you see Jesus today. I hope you just feel like you're right at the feet of Jesus. And to be honest with you, as I was sitting there on the front, listening to this last song, and of course contemplating all that we have done in worship today, I felt like that I was out on a boat. I thought I was out on the sea with the disciples, And as I was there, I realized that it was dark, and you couldn't see. Lightning was flashing, and the waves were perhaps higher than the boat. And I was a part of rowing with them. And we were working tremendously hard, and we thought that we were going to drown. We thought we were going under. And as I was sitting there contemplating that, I said, God, you know what? I want to see you too, as those disciples saw you. And it was as if God just opened up to heaven and showed me his face spiritually. I don't know what he looks like physically, but showed me his face spiritually as I was able to share. And thank you, choir, for bringing us uh, to that place today. I want to ask you this question today. Would you still get out of the boat if you knew the water was as deep as it is? Would you still get out of the boat if you thought in your life that the water was deeper? Than you thought it was. Would you bow as we pray? Father, in Jesus' name today, as we bring a message to encourage our hearts, but yet to motivate us, and Lord, opening the heavens, we would like for you to show us, as I suggested, as sitting there on the front pew this morning, listening and worshiping as you opened up the heavens today. That I could see your face, Lord, I could see your presence, I could experience you. And I trust that we all are at that point today. I know that many of us are sitting here today, and probably all of us that have coming into this room, if we would start beginning to open our heart, we would probably, at times, and maybe even today, feel like we're in a dark, dark world. Feeling like that it's maybe the darkest moment as these disciples were in, in that early morning hour when we understand that it's the darkest of the night, just before the day, and uh, while the dark is still there, many of us are going through struggles of life, and we feel like it's dark, and we feel like that maybe light will never come, or perhaps the waves are high, and we're rowing as hard as we can row, and it seems perhaps that there is no other way, and there are perhaps even there's moments when we feel like that it, we might as well just quit rowing, we might as well just quit doing anything, and just ride it out and see what would happen. But Lord, you always intervene, and you always show us, and you bring us to a place like this, Lord, to worship. And we come here as hungry people of you. We want to see you. We don't want to just see anything. We want to see you. We want to worship today continually uh, you and in your presence. Thank you for being here. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 14 and verse 22 following, and these uh, parallel passages would be in Mark's gospel, chapter 6, and in John's gospel, chapter 6 as well. And in those two Gospels, they leave out Peter walking on the water. And there is, I think, a reason why that, that, that is done. Because you see, Jesus is wanting us to see him. He's wanting us to see his uh, power. He's wanting us to see his authority. He, want us to, he wants us to see who exactly he is. And so we choose to read John chapter 14, because it's going to bring up Peter. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Notice he said he made them get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Notice that he had been uh, doing many things in preaching the Sermon on the Mount and also feeding of the 5,000 had just passed. And so he said, you guys go. And then he, he moved the crowd away, and he went away to pray again. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them "'Walking on the sea.' "'And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, "'they were troubled, saying, "'It's a ghost!' "'And they cried out for fear. "'And immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, "'Be of good cheer, it is I. "'Do not be afraid.' "'And Peter answered him and said, "'Lord, if it is you, "'command me to come to you on this water.' "'And so he said, "'Come.' And when uh, Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw that the wind was blisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, called him and said to him, "All you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Would you get out of the boat if you knew that the water was deeper than what you thought? Would you get out of And I doubt very seriously if many of us would in this room, perhaps whatever uh, the situation may be. I read a story, in, and some of you have read perhaps the Ten Secrets for man, uh, in the, or Men in the Mirror, and there's a story right in the very beginning of that book about a dog and about a man. And in fact, it was about dogs, and it was about a rich landowner, and it was about a certain scroungy, mangy, mangy uh, skinny, uh, just about to die dog. And so the man had always in his life, he enjoyed animals and he loved to bring in those that were struggling uh, the most. Because he had a way of helping them, he'd give them everything they wanted. I mean, he would feed them the best steaks that anyone could ever, ever eat. And so he saw this dog one day and he heard that this dog perhaps was going to be killed or done away with. And he said, this cannot happen. So he decided that he would take this dog home to his house. And he does. He takes him in and he shows him all the plantation. He shows him the house. He shows, he said, everything here is yours. Everything here is yours. Uh, yours, He said, but all uh, the dogs that live here has to have a job, all the dogs have to work, and so you need to work, you need to be busy, you're not going to just lay around all day, you're not going to just stay there uh, you, and just eat and enjoy at my table. I will feed you. I will give you all of this. But you're going to have to be busy. Takes him out in the yard. He said, this yard is huge. You can run. You can frolic. You can do anything you want to. But you see, there's a big fence that I have all the way around my house. And that is to keep you in this fence. It's to keep you within these compounds. And he said, over the time, I've had many dogs who have been here and many of them have decided that they did not want to stay here any longer, so they leave. And they're roaming out there in those woods all around. I own those, but they, they're roaming by themselves. They think they could do better out there by themselves. And so it was, the dog began to fatten up. His ribs, where they were showing now, began to get uh, pretty good, where they were covering over. And you could, you could tell that he was enjoying himself. He would lay down at the master's feet and the master would rub his head and just uh, frolic him and talk to him. How much he loved him. How much he cared about him. How much he loved him and what he meant to him. And he enjoyed this presence. I mean he was, he was getting fed. He was getting touched by the master. He was getting all that he needed. What a joy to be living in such an, a place like that. Then he began to begin to mingle with the other dogs that were in the compound. And many of them began to show their dismay. Many of them began to talk about how that they would like to leave. And they began to tell how that they were going to leave. And they said... Over the time, uh, these other dogs had dug out of the fence and left. And so this pack began to stay together, and they began to connive together. In fact, they chose their own boss. They chose their own leader. And so this uh, precious, pretty dog that the master had brought in last began to listen to them and hear their words, and he began to get inquisitive, and, and he began to want to perhaps do what they uh, wanted to do as well. So he joined the pack, and they made up their mind that one day or one night when it was dark, no one was around, no one was listening, the master was asleep, they would dig under the fence, and then they would leave, and then they would be on their own. Well, the night came. They dug under the fence, and now they got out. You know, they shook themselves, shook the dirt off, and was looking around and thinking how proud now they were as they looked back at the compound, thinking that they had been in prison there in that compound. Here they were free now to do what they wanted. To the surprise of the dog, of the young dog that the man had taken in last, to his surprise, They chose up again a leader. And he wasn't the best leader in all the world. So the dogs begin to start going their own way. They begin to start leaving and deciding, hey, I've had a boss in that compound. I'm free now and I'm not going to, I'm not going to follow anyone. So they just struggle. They just take off. This leaves this little dog here himself. He shakes himself, says, if that's what they're going to do, I'll do it myself. And he does it as well. Over a period of time, he begins to start getting thinner. Over a period of time, where his hide, where his hair was so shiny, he began to realize that now he doesn't have what he had in the compound. You see, the owner always had his servants to take scraps and throw them across that fence, and there the dogs could continue to eat. But it was scraps, it was not the good things that they had been eating. And so the dog was eating of those things. And, and even with his mind set that he ought to go back, he decided, I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to go back to that. I'm free. I'm going to continue to do what I want to do. And he continued to do that, and he got thinner and thinner. To his surprise, he recognized that those dogs who were living outside of that compound were beginning to get sick. And many of them were so sick that many of them died out there. They had no care. They had no one that would, would provide for them. No one would pet them. They were having to get their own things on their own. And the dog began to think. Oh, how much better it was back in the compound. Oh, how much better those stakes were back there. Oh, how much better if I would have only stayed in that compound. Every day the owner would go out and he would call, he would whistle. He would call out this dog's name, hoping that one day he would come home. But the dog never would pay attention to what he was saying. He realized... That as the, as the owner came out one day and said, you know what, you had it good here. But you know what else? You don't realize that you're out there roaming in everything that belongs to me as well. And you're not respecting who I am and following who I am. And you're struggling and struggling Now I conclude the story, it would have to be your own ending. You would say, oh no, that's one of those mystery stories, isn't it? But you would have to conclude that with your own answer with that dog today. Now why do I even give you such a story as that today? Why would I even take time to give such a story as that to us today? Just an earthly story. Well, that's what Jesus did as he spake to the individuals. Now, this is not an earthly story that we are reading about today. This is a true story. This is the truth. And this is one of the disciples. And this is one that the disciples are learning and following after the Master. And they find themselves out there, as I prayed just a moment ago, in the darkness of night. They found themselves there without anything, rowing and tired and giving out, just so tired they felt like that they were going to die any moment. And all at once, they saw a figure out there. Oh, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. And Jesus said, "No, it is not a ghost. It is I. It is I, the Son of God." I hope you're following the, the sequence of the story at that, at that point because what Jesus is, is trying to get them to understand is that He has all authority. He is of God. He is the Son of God. And He is the Savior of the world. And it is He that we're to submit to. It is He that they're to follow And if they follow Him, they'll be able to get out of the boat, they'll be able to walk on the water, and God will provide, God will take care of them. So I ask you again today, if you knew that the water was as deep as it is, would you get out of the boat anyway? With what you are experiencing at this very moment of time today. I was reading some of John Orberg's uh, materials and he gave some suggestions to this verse today that I would like to pick up on and use. And he was talking about as we hear God and we're looking to follow and to obey God even in the midst of the situations that we find ourselves as the disciples did as well as he's suggesting to us to trust him and perhaps get out of the boat. You see, in verses 29, there is a call. God calls out to these individuals, and he calls out to Peter, and he said to Peter, you know, Peter said, if you be the son of God, let me come to you. And 29 said, Jesus said, come, come. If you believe that, come. Step out into the deep. Peter knew how deep it was. He knew that it was blisterous winds. He knew that waves were high. He knew all this that was happening. But at this moment of time, he was getting a call to come to Jesus. God calls out to us, you and I, as ordinary individuals, to perhaps engage in, think about this, engage in acts of extraordinary trust as we follow God and as we trust Him As we go with him. We're in the midst of transition. And I I have to keep that before us as well. What God is doing. He's speaking to us as a congregation. And he's calling us to step out of the boat. As I did uh, suggest last Sunday, perhaps to get out of our comfort zones and to move out beyond the boat and to trust Jesus and to be able to do some extraordinary things and have an extraordinary trust that He wants us to have. Secondly, if He calls and He does and He calls out, there is always fear. Whenever He calls, listen, that water is deep, isn't it? That water is deep. The waves are blisterous. You don't understand how I feel inside. Thank you, Janet, as you gave your uh, introduction to the song this morning. As you were saying, there's many of us, as you look out through the congregation, that are experiencing things that perhaps most of us, probably most of us in this room are not sharing what we are experiencing personally. But some of you we know, and some of you we are embracing and encouraging and helping in some way trying to support, as I hear that throughout the congregation. But there's always fear as we get out of the boat. There's always fear because, you see, when Peter got out, he was looking at Jesus, but when he took his eyes off of Jesus, something happened, he went down, he saw all the circumstances that were around here, around him. There is fear then of the unknown. There is fear of perhaps even when God speaks to us, of giving up security. Think of the dog that I talked about and talked about this morning. You see, he was experiencing some of that, but he was willing to... Get beyond that anyway, even though he has security. He was reminded of the security that he had back home. There is also fear of failure. What if, and we know that Peter, I don't think he went through any of these until he began to sink, but I think that there was a fear of failure. What if I can't walk? What if that's not the Lord that's speaking to me? What about your life and what about my life when we trust God? And he tells us something and he tells us he's done something for us. And, and, and first of all, we will accept it. Then we begin to start fearing. Perhaps now, what if I can't live, it, live up to it? What, I, what, what if I can't do what he said to do? What, and there's all kind of fears that come our way and with us. There's a fear of what God may ask me to do. You know, there's a fear of what God may ask me. And he asked Peter, come, get out of that boat. But Peter had said, you remember, he had said, if you are the Lord, tell me to come to you. And he said, come. But there's others. And and we may look at the other disciples that are in that boat. Now listen just a moment. We don't have a lot said about those disciples, but what do you think that they may be saying about Peter? And what do you think that they may be saying too? Could they not have got out of the boat and walked on water as well? Yes, I would rather think that they did. And that's why I think that when you get to Mark and John, as they talk about, they're, they're not necessarily talking about the faithfulness of walking on water with man, but it was the trust in God that he will help us as we walk on water, as he walked on water as well. Listen, not only does he call and say, come, and not only does Or or do we experience fear? Most of us experience a a sense of fear in everything as God calls. I mean, you know, can I do it? Will I be able to fulfill? There's always the reassurance. Verse 27 said, And immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. Be of good cheer. God promises His presence then. And, and and he gives us what is necessary for us to fulfill that even that fulfill the fear that we have. And and by the way, fear is not bad. Some fear is good because it keeps us focusing on the right person, and the right person is Jesus. So there's a decision that we have to make in verse twenty nine. And uh, in that decision, he is saying, as I said a while ago, he said to him, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He had to make that decision. He had to either say yes or no, or stick his head in the sand and say, you know what, I'm not going, I, I, I want to, but I'm not going to. But it's, it still was a decision that he had to make, whatever decision you and I make as well. No, yes, or just, you know, well, I won't make that decision, but there is still that decision that we made by not making that decision. And then verse 38, there's always, always, listen, when God does speak and he says, come, and we experience it by faith and he gives us the assurance that we'll be able to, Because he's providing the necessities that we need to fulfill that. There will always be a changed life. There will always be a changed life. Look at verse 38. I'm sorry, verse 33. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him saying, what did they say? Truly, you are the Son of God. Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, as I bring this to a close to get, uh, today, in our guidelines of watching and walking and, and doing what God wants us to do, you know, even as we see the waves that are out there, and I want to look at, uh, and I'm not going to read the verses again, whenever God speaks, we have to be careful. If not, we will look at the waves, okay? Okay? When God speaks, we may look at the waves. We may look backwards and say, you know what? I've tried that before. That didn't work. I won't be able to do that. So we shouldn't look at those. We can learn by example. Secondly, we should not listen. Listen very carefully to this. We should not listen to the boat people. Whenever God tells us and tells you and tells this church what to do, we should not listen to the boat people. Who are the boat people? Well, I talked about the disciples just a moment ago, but I, I, I bet if I were there, I, I bet those uh, other disciples were saying, Man, how foolish are you? You know what? How foolish are you? We're not going to do that, and you shouldn't do that either. And But Peter was the person who was always jumping up and going, wasn't he? He was always ready to go. So don't listen to the boat people. Listen. If I would have listened to the boat people in my life, and I, I could start giving illustrations of those over the years, then I would have never done what God told me to do. And I have an idea I'm bringing to your attention as well, The boat people are those that are around you perhaps are suggesting things uh, and trying to tell you that we can't do that. You know, it might be we've never done it that way. That's the, what, the seven last words of a church. We've never done it that way before anyway. But don't listen to the boat people. Listen to God. Verse 28, don't expect your own abilities to be able to do it Don't expect those abilities of yourself to see you through. But expect God to use those abilities that you have to get you through. And then we must keep our eyes on Jesus. What is God calling you to do this morning? What is God calling this church to do continually? Listen, it's been here for what, 80 some odd years And it's, and God has blessed. God has blessed. And listen, a a man would be blind to walk up on the property at Theresa and not think that God has done and is doing and is going to continue to do even greater things than what he has ever done. The only way we can get there is to step out of the boat. The only way we can get there and the only way we can obey him is keep our eyes on him. Step out of the boat because we can't do it by ourselves. I come to you as a transition pastor. I come to you to lead and to guide you and to help you to get to that point. And I tell you what, I'm excited about what God has for this church. What is he calling you? And I'm excited about you. What is he calling you to do today? Would you stand all over this room? What is he calling out to us to do and to be? And perhaps we're feeling the fear. Perhaps we see the water is too deep, too deep. Perhaps we're saying, man, I'm not going to walk out there. I'm not going to do like that. They'll make fun of me if I do what he's telling me to do. What is it that God's telling you today? Maybe He's calling you to be a child of His. He won't save you. Or perhaps God's calling you. He may be calling you into the ministry to preach or missions. He may be calling you to teach. He may be calling you to lead in this congregation in ways that you've never led before. God may be calling you. You've already been saved. You need to respond to baptism. God's calling as we sing. Speak to my heart, Lord Jesus.